0: Start On On, on demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Monday edition of the Mackling and McGarry podcast, and it's minus the Mackling. He is in Chicago. He's going to see the Foo Fighters at Wrigley Field. Jealous today? We're going to have coffee and talk about our favorite books that we had to read in school because there's a major literary milestone. That is being celebrated, so we'll use that as a springboard into that conversation. Mine was Banner in the Sky. Read that in grade 7. You'll hear more about that coming up. Also, the Billboard at Portage and Sherbrooke finally getting its facelift. We'll visit with the Winnipeg Art Gallery to tell us about that. Selling the family cottage. Are more people buying or selling cottages in recent years? And fruit share you ever heard of fruit share manitoba if you want to get your hands on delicious fruit that's grown right here in the city of winnipeg this is the easiest way to do it we'll tell you how you can get involved enjoy the podcast Today would have been the 200th birthday of Emily Bronte, the woman who wrote one of the world's most beloved novels. Bronte published Wuthering Heights in 1847 under the name Ellis Bell. It was the only novel she published. This gothic tale tells the story of Heathcliff's and Catherine's doomed romance. There's a chance you maybe read Wuthering Heights as part of your high school curriculum. <laughs> I did not. I uh, When I think of Heathcliff, I think of the, the sassy cat uh, <laughs> from the comics. Oh, you're a literary giant, too. <laughs> so today we're going to have coffee and talk about what literary classic did you enjoy reading when you were in school. Shanalee, did you read Wuthering Heights?
1: Well, it's a funny thing. Wuthering Heights, it's my, my hands-on, it's my absolute favorite novel. Now, I was supposed to... Read it in high school. Uh, I could not get into it. I was not enjoying it at all, and so I never, never actually finished reading it.
0: Oh my god! Yeah,
1: and then uh, in university, I picked it up again, Uh, just on my own. I bought, I bought the, uh, I think it was the Penguin edition with the, you know, all of the, all of the uh, notes at the end. I loved it. I devoured it. It's such a passionate tale. And I'm sorry that I just could not get into it at the time yep. in, in high school. And and it's just such an incredible novel. And anyone who I think hasn't gotten a chance to read it is is really missing out. And a lot of people say, oh, but they'll compare it to uh, Emily's sister, Charlotte's. Uh, uh, Charlotte Bronte's book *Jane Eyre*, and they'll say, "But *Jane Eyre* is a much, much better constructed novel over Wether- *Wuthering Heights*." Okay, which kind of true? It is a overall better novel, but *Wuthering Heights* is a much more passionate story, and it just, just gives me the, the the shivers. And even if you, you you can't read it, go seek out the 1939 uh, movie with um, with Lawrence Olivier. It's not true to the, the, the book, but it's still just a, a wonderful film, and I believe it was nominated for an Academy Award.
0: Yeah, it's funny how you can't get into some of the books they make you read in high school. For me, that was Heart of Darkness. I had to read that in grade 11, uh, the movie that, of course, inspired Apocalypse Now, right, Jeff? And... Uh no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, <just laughs> sure. I never read the book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I just uh, it was
0: way it went way over my head. I I would like to revisit it. I just don't think I was mature enough to to read it. Jeff, the book stands out for Didn't you. Didn't read Wuthering Heights. I'm afraid of heights as it turns out. Um <laughs> there weren't
3: I I had a weird I've, I've talked to some of my friends I went to high school with, and they read this and that and that. And I ended up in these weird classes where just by chance where you get the lazy teacher didn't make you read anything. We had one teacher went on mat leave halfway through, and it screwed up our whole semester sort of thing. And so I, there's really very few books I had to read to get through high school. And oh, wow. I, I game the system pretty good at it. I was good at that too. Um, the one they made us read, I don't think it was even in high school. I think it was in junior high or even middle school. was The Secret Garden. And I hate s- s- few things in the world more than I hate that book. That is the most miserable experience of my life was trying to read that stupid book. I just hate it. I'm, they made a movie out of it. I almost wanted to go to the movie just so I could heckle the movie. But I didn't, it's not my, I didn't want to be mean to other people. The one thing I did like, surprisingly enough, is uh, in grade 10, we had a great English teacher and we were doing Shakespeare and we did uh, Julius Caesar and I just loved it. Yeah? Yeah, and I never thought that
0: I'd like Shakespeare, but there you go. Well, we got a text at 204-780-6868, and this listener says, Books in school? Never. Last book I read in school was Mr. Muggs. I watched the movies in high school. Quicker.
3: That's what we had one teacher. Uh, we were supposed to do Romeo and Juliet. She's like, it's too long. We'll just watch a movie. And we watched half the movie, and class was about the end, and she just told us what happened the rest of the
1: week. Yeah, we had a teacher. The teacher showed us uh, the Romeo and Juliet film, but then, oh. then there was, some, I think there was some nudity in it. So the teacher would uh, get up in front of the TV and <laughs> oh cover cover that, that scene. So, oh. you know, our, our precious grade 10 eyes <laughs> wouldn't be exposed to it.
0: Yeah, God forbid you're exposed to smut.
2: Kelly Moore, what uh, what book did you like from school? Well, I'm not sure that I uh, particularly liked it because Don Cherry's biography and Bobby Orr growing up in Perry Sound weren't part of the curriculum. But uh, <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird is the. The one I think that really stood out for me, I I I uh, was able to get into the story. Catcher in the Rye was another uh, great book that we had to read as well. And, and Jeff, yes, those aren't that old; they wow. were, yeah, they're they, brand
3: new at the time. He was yeah. cracking the hardcovers, eh?
2: Yeah, but uh, <laughs> 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 I was waiting for it. Yeah, so was I. Uh, th- those are the ones that really stand out. And and now, of course, To Kill a Mockingbird has become quite controversial because of the nature of the story. If you've not read the book, uh, it, uh, it it certainly deals with uh, some racist uh, overtones, and I'm not sure, uh, I, I don't know what the curriculum is today, but I'm guessing To Kill a Mockingbird is not uh, part of uh, the reading club.
0: Yeah, that was one of the books that I had to read, uh, loved it, I loved In the Heat of the Night, Yeah, and uh, then we watched the movie for that with Sidney Poitier, uh, they called me Mr. Tibbs, The Underground Railroad was one of them, I think. Kelly mentioned a book that Fortier liked in school, right? Jeff Fortier.
1: Yeah, The Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, Holden Caulfield was the uh, main character, and I found him very relatable when I was uh, when I was in high school. So wow. that's how I got I got into it. Um, besides that, I just I wasn't a big reader, so yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't have much to say on on books
0: really. Uh, okay. <laughs> 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 on books in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, for me, a couple that jump out: Brave New World. Uh, I think the author's name is Aldous Huxley. That's right. Yeah. And that book in particular, when was that written? Because he was he like predicted all kinds of things. I think he predicted the TV, sort of. He talked about this bo- this glowing box that would project images. Uh, a lot of people ended up having to
2: read 1984. I, yes. I read Animal Farm by George Orwell. Right. Have you yeah. read that? Yes, and, and 1984 as well. That was way ahead of its time.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of listeners weighing in saying 1984 as well. Um, did any of you read a book called Banner in the Sky? No. That one doesn't ring a bell. It was uh, it, I read it in grade seven, I think, in Monsieur Cadieux's class, and it was, uh, it was about this mountain called the Citadel. And uh, I'm just looking at this profile in HarperCollins, Canada. It stands unconquered, the last great summit of the Alps. Only one man has ever dared to approach the top. And that man died in his pursuit. Uh, And I, I just remember being just captivated and thrilled by this book. And we're getting other suggestions here. Something called Q for Treason.
1: Oh, that was a great book. <laughs> oh, I read wow. <laughs> that in, in, gra- in grade eight and, and then it was, and then kind of got us all into Shakespeare and, and yeah, that oh I loved that one.
2: Lord of the Flies. That, that was, oh,
1: one was good. Yeah. That one was really good. I Am David. We read that one in grade eight. And that okay. one kind of starts, like, introduced us introduced to um, concentration camps. And then we did a whole semester all about concentration camps, and it was so eye-opening because I never knew what a concentration camp was.
0: Yeah, and that's the great thing about a lot of these books, right? I mean, they're, they're just great stories, but they tell such important stories and you get to lo- actually learn things. Hey, isn't that what school's for? Flowers for Algernon, getting a lot of feedback on that one. You remember that? I also, didn't
1: read that one, but I heard stuff.
0: Yeah, also made into a film called Charlie, which starred Uncle Ben,
3: right? Yes, and uh, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia did a really good parody episode of that too.
0: Really? Yeah. That's one of your favorite shows, right? Oh, it's so funny. Always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, John says, Great expectations. We have another suggestion here uh, Call of the Wild. Oh, uh, Jack London. That was a great book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever read that. Exodus?
3: No, I think it was called Exodus. My friends, they all had to read it. They were in this horrible English class and they, every day they were just like fuming mad about it and then they're like, Jeff, what did you do in English? Oh, we watched
0: Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your feedback coming at 204 6868 Thank you very much, Shanley Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, and Jeff Forte. I'm Brett McGarry. Greg Mackling is away this week. He's in Chicago. He's going to see the Foo Fighters tonight at Wrigley Field. Jealous? Yes, I am. Now this next story, this was Greg's thing. The (laughs) billboard at Portage and Sherbrooke. The one that's been a sight for sore eyes for so long. It's finally gotten a makeover. We told you first last fall that Sussex Realty wanted to loan the derelict space on top of the Casa Loma building to the Winnipeg Art Gallery. So joining us live in studio is Catherine Maximiak, who is Manager of Media and Marketing for the Winnipeg Art Gallery. Catherine, good morning to you. Good morning. So the billboard went up. You can see it at cjob.com, but the first one went up when? On Friday,
4: Friday afternoon.
0: That must have been exciting.
4: It was exciting.
0: Did you go up there?
4: I did get to go up there. Really? It's an amazing view of the city, yes, the corner of Sherbrooke and Portage. Okay. Busy intersection. So, yeah, we had a team of five or seven, actually, installers hoisting the thing up. It's 48 feet uh, wide by 14 feet tall so it's very big and prominent okay and it features an artwork by uh, artist Eugène Boudin it's okay. a beach scene the beach at Trouville so it's a beautiful beach landscape
0: where's that the it, beach at
4: it's in Trouville? The, the south of France okay yes
0: uh, and it looks very nice um, now was it tough to to put up there
4: it was. You know, this whole billboard has been a long time coming, and of course Greg's been covering it because it was a bit of an eyesore for several years, it's so big, and on this um, heritage building. So we entered into this partnership with Sussex Realty, which owns the building, and we applied for a permit to get the the sign updated in January, which was rejected. Then we went back to the city and, and made an appeal and got the approval to go ahead. So that was fabulous. And Sussex um, upgraded the framework, but then to find an installer who would actually go up there and do it was a bit of a challenge because it's so high and big, but uh, Caraway Science came through for us.
0: Well, that's, that's great. Uh, How long did it take you to find somebody who would do it? Uh,
4: It was, it was a lot of phone calls. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People were, they were scared, I guess.
4: I guess so. Yeah. They were brave A group of
0: guys. So how did the partnership with you in Sussex, how did that come about?
4: Well, we approached them about, they have another banner on their own building, which is just across from the WAG. Um, They had another sign there that uh, we thought maybe they'd uh, be interested in featuring some art or art-related imagery on there, and they said yes, and then also they had this other billboard, so it was just kind of a win-win community coming together to share artwork um, right on the streets there. So, we're looking at um, switching it up about twice a year and highlighting a variety of artwork. So, we actually have on the east side, um, there's two signs on that side. So, driving away from downtown, we're going to be putting up a photo of Inuit artist uh, Asinajak. She's a filmmaker. Hopefully, uh, in the next week or so, if weather permits, okay. we'll be putting that up. And uh, yeah.
0: So, how frustrating was it when the city denied the first application?
4: It, well, we we're kind of surprised because it just seemed like such a great uh solution, but we're super grateful to them for for uh you know letting it move forward. and actually for at the appeal, there was a community member who was in opposition of of the billboard. But when she saw the presentation and the artwork on the billboard, she actually revoked her her position. so really? that was great. yeah, we felt like and and we've had lots of great uh reactions to the artwork going up on social media and stuff, so it's it feels great.
0: And how long is this partnership going to last with Sussex?
4: It's five years with uh, the option to extend.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, now, in the first time the city shot it down, too, it wasn't, as memory serves, it wasn't like they were... Just trying to be sort of bureaucratic. and It's just they had to... that This was the rules, right? Well, yes,
4: and because it's a heritage building, there's um, regulations in terms of how large the sign can be. And this particular billboard has been up since before the 50s. We couldn't find exactly the date it went up, but it's been for decades for sure. So that was part of the problem. But then the argument was that we're not making it larger than it is. It's just the existing size. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah. Now, the piece that's up there right now, Uh, it's for the Summer Impressionists. You said it's an Impressionist piece?
4: Mm -hmm. And actually Boudin, the artist Boudin, um, was uh, trained Monet, very well-known artist Monet, and they're both on artworks by these artists are on view right now in our Summer with the Impressionist show. So we thought for the first one we would connect it to that show and um, we put a little bit of text on there just to make that connection for people. So, yeah, it's if you like what you see on the billboard, come and see it in the flesh at the WEG right now.
0: Well, it's very soothing. Uh, Just even looking at a black and white picture (laughs) of it here, uh, you can see it in color at cjob.com. For those who are not, uh, you know, who are ignorant to to art, and uh, I... I confess I am one of them. Not because I don't want to learn. I want to learn. I'm trying to get cultured and and stop being an uncultured lout. (laughs) But you don't have
4: to feel that way because you just, if you come, you have your own personal experience with the art, and that's all that matters, right? You don't have to know anything. And that's why the Impressionists are, you know, it's one of the most beloved styles of art because it is so relatable. You don't have to know anything. You can just go and see the colors, and they were so revolutionary in the day, the way that they just captured an impression, And that's where the name comes from of what they were seeing versus like a very re- realistic drawing. So it's kind of like, you know, these days with Instagram and just capturing like when you're on holiday or doing something with your friends, you're capturing that with your with your camera. They were doing that
0: through art. So how long is the Impressionists going to go for at the WAG? Till September 9th. Okay. And what do you got coming up after that? Can you tell us that? Ooh, we
4: have a really cool 80s show, actually. 80s. In the fall, opening uh, Nuit Blanche, end of September. So that's a free all-night art party. And, yeah, it's going to be, we're actually just figuring out right now the the billing banner on the WAG, and we're looking at, there's a, an artist who did a photograph, and the same there was a photograph from the same series used for a Loverboy cover that we're oh, wow. looking at uh at highlighting. Yes.
0: Well that sounds wild. So hey, Catherine, <laughs> thank you so much for coming in to tell us Thanks about for this for having me. And thank you for finally putting something up there. It's yeah. our pleasure. Yeah, and you know, so when you drive by the billboard and it's on the which side is the sign facing? Uh
4: it faces like the it's driving driving east. So from into the Driving into downtown, you'll okay. see it, yeah.
0: Okay, so the sign at Sherbrooke and Portage on the Casa Loma building, if you're heading into downtown, you'll be able to see The Summer with the Impressionists from the Winnipeg Art Gallery, and then maybe in the next week you'll see one if you're going out of downtown. Catherine Maximiuk is Manager of Media and Marketing for the Winnipeg Art Gallery. Thanks for the visit. Thanks again. Do you have access to a summer cottage? I think we probably all know at least one person who's got a cottage, right? I was always jealous of my friends who had a cottage. I had one buddy with a cottage out in Winnipeg Beach. Another one with a cottage just a few clicks up the road in Sandy Hook. Well, hey, a lot of Winnipeggers and a lot of people in southern Manitoba have been enjoying the lazy days of summer at the cottage And there's a tradition, of course, of cottages being passed on down throughout the family. But not everyone is able to make the most of owning a summer getaway due to time, upkeep, or taxes. So today we wanted to talk with an expert on buying and selling summer cottages. We're joined live on 680 CJOB this morning by Chris Neufeld, realtor and managing broker for Interlake Real Estate. Chris, good morning to you. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm fine. So, as far as cottages, are more people selling cottages in recent years?
5: I think we have more people selling, for sure, because I think the demographics of our population is is causing people uh, who are a little bit older to, uh, to rethink their cottage life, and so as a result, there's a fair bit available.
0: And when you say that they're having to rethink their cottage life, what, what do you mean, what's going on there?
5: Well, of course, you know, the baby boomers are getting in uh, older, like myself, into the 60s and even 70s, and and so, uh, you know, cottage life, there is a certain amount of work and maintenance and upkeep and cost to having a cottage, and so um, uh, so they're uh, deciding to uh, either sell the cottage or, like you said earlier, pass it down to somebody within the family.
0: So how does that work? If you, you've got a cottage in the family, uh, say it's your parents or whatever, it gets passed down to you. Is it an easy transition? Like how does that work?
5: Well, I think it can be easy and keep in mind I'm not a lawyer or an accountant. So you you probably need both of those in order to get the transaction done because if you're passing it down to children or if siblings are kind of divvying it up, then of course there might be uh, some some people that would not be interested in it and some that wouldn't would, so then you'd have to deal with the lawyer in terms of getting the title into the person's name that actually wanted the cottage and the money into the pre- people's name that didn't. So um, yeah, you probably need to consult an accountant and a lawyer. Um, the best thing that I can tell people is that they keep records of what they own and what they've spent. So if you, uh, if you have good records, then it can be quite easy. If you have, uh, you know, poor records of the initial transaction and, of course, the expenses that you incurred during the time that you own the cottage, then it might be a little more difficult.
0: I know you said, uh, you know, this is probably another question maybe for a lawyer, but just asking you in case you know, if, if I do get a cottage passed down to me, do I have to pay, is there like a tax I have to pay?
5: Well, um, as you know, um, any time that there's an increase in value in anything, any kind of an investment, CRA is going to be standing there with their hand out, looking, uh, looking for their share. So certainly if there's a gain in the value of the cottage, uh, yes, you would be exposed to taxes for sure. Chris Newfeld is
0: our guest, realtor and managing broker for Interlake Real Estate. We talked about who's selling them. You said as the baby boomers age, they're looking to sell. Who's buying?
5: Well, we've got middle-aged people that are buying. Uh, we've got people that... Uh, have had cottage experience as children, and they want to repeat that for their children. Um, so those are the kind of people that are interested in cottages.
0: What is the average cottage cost? Like, let's say I want to get a, a cottage on Pine Street in Winnipeg Beach. Uh, what, would that, what, what would I need to have to get in on that game?
5: Well, firstly, we have a couple on Pine Street, so we can tell it to you today. <laughs> okay. um, if you get a back lot cottage, so those those are the cottages that would not be on the water. They might be just a block away or even two blocks away from the water. Uh, those cottages can range anywhere from a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars, depending on age and condition and location, of course. Um, so certainly, it's affordable for most people to be able to have a cottage. Um, if you were looking at waterfront cottages, then you're probably in the two to four hundred thousand dollar range. Wow.
0: And then if you get into the, uh, like, what, what areas are, tend to be more expensive in terms of cottage country?
5: Well, as you get closer to the city, they're usually more expensive. So if you, if you looked at the city and just kind of drew a, a radius around the city, the farther out you would get, the, the, the least expensive they would be. So Winnipeg Beach would be probably in the higher price range, although there are many cottages in Winnipeg Beach that are older, smaller, um, maybe on smaller lots that are very reasonably priced. And then as you move north, let's say to Ballaton Beach, which is close to Riverton, or if you move to Grindstone, which is a provincial park, uh, part of the Hecla uh, provincial park, uh, you know, then, they, then they're reduced in price.
0: Have you ever experienced a situation where family, like say you know, parents and, and their, their grown adult children, they all go in on a cottage and then there are problems as a result?
5: I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean it isn't happening, but no, I haven't seen that. And of course, uh, what I have seen, though, is that, uh, that um, the, the parents will have a cottage in a certain area, and then as the children have children, so the, grand ch- kid, uh, the grandkids of those parents, um, you know, as they grow into uh, uh, kind of a cottage-buying age, then they buy their own cottage. Very often they don't want to necessarily be in the same cottage as their parents, so they buy a cottage down the street. All right.
0: Chris Newfeld. hey, thanks for, for giving us some insight. Like I said, I'm uh, jealous of those who have the cottages, but yet at the same time, I, I think I'm probably too lazy to do the upkeep, so it's a good thing I don't have one.
5: Hey, we've had perfect cottage weather this summer. It's been great. Last summer was great. No mosquitoes in the interlake. Um, it's it's a great time to own a cottage.
0: Chris Newfeld, thank you so much for joining us, Realtor and Managing Broker for Interlake Real Estate. And I'm just pulling up their website right now. It is simply interlake.mb.ca. If you're looking to get in on the cottage game, folks at Interlake can help you out. And yeah, I, because I know, like I can't tell you, there are a few times where I've asked my buddies, hey, you want to go golfing on the weekend? No, I, I got to... I got to drive out to the cottage to cut the grass. So I salute. If you've got a cottage and it's your thing, then good for you. I just, I, the, the upkeep alone would be enough to chase me away. But I'm happy to come sit on the deck with you and have a beer. Right now, we want to tell you about... Fruit share. And actually, I'm sorry, I, before I do that, I got to wish a happy birthday here. I just saw on Facebook, it's one Brian Barkley's birthday. So happy birthday to Brian Barkley, former voice of traffic here on 680 CJOB. Do you have a raspberry bush dripping with too many berries for you to pick? Or a crab apple tree that's become a burden to harvest? Are you worried it's gonna all going to go to waste? Maybe you don't have a fruit tree, but you'd like to get your hands on some. Well, the solution to all of these things can be found through Fruit Share Manitoba. It's a nonprofit organization that connects growers with pickers. To tell us more, we're joined live in studio by Katie Anderson, who is Fruit Share's summer coordinator. Katie, good morning to you. Good morning, Brett. So, Fruit Share, um, what is it? How does it work?
6: Fruit Share is a matchmaking service for people who have extra fruit. To connect the, con, to connect with those who do want to go pick fruit.
0: Okay, so yeah. if I have, uh, I, we mentioned a crab apple tree. I mean, I think uh, I think every every kid has can remember picking crab apples and eating them, or, or maybe maybe or maybe ch-
6: raking them up or, for their mom,
0: or or, <laughs> or or chucking them at things that you shouldn't be throwing them at. But if you've got a crab apple tree uh, and you want to share it, then what do I do?
6: Yeah. Uh, well, if you have that crab apple tree that is uh, a good edible eating apple, um, which is right now coming into season, uh, you would register with at fruitshare.ca and uh, you list your fruit, tell us all about it, tell us about where the tree is, how delicious they are, the amazing crab apple jelly it can make, and we will connect you with volunteers who will come and pick that fruit. And share it with you, the fruit owner, the picker, and also with a community organization of your choosing.
0: Did you say crab apple jelly?
6: Amazing, yes. What
0: is involved in making crab apple jelly?
6: Uh, a delicious amount of crab apples and sugar. Yep. Yeah. So usually with crab apple jelly, when it's a jelly, it doesn't have uh, the fruit bits, so it's usually the clear, the clear jelly. So you usually boil it down into a juice or, st- or strain it into a juice, and then you mix that with sugar and cook it until it gets gelatinous, and and then you spread that on delicious buttered toast, and it's great.
0: How long does it take to make that?
6: Well, it depends how many jars you're making, but you could make a reasonable batch in an afternoon, no problem. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. I just recently picked fruit once for the first time. I went out to uh, Boonstra Farms in Stonewall and picked strawberries. Uh, have you ever been out there?
6: Yes, it's a great place to pick strawberries. For sure. I,
0: I didn't even know how, like I, I didn't know if they grew on trees or, whatever, <laughs> or vines. I had no idea. So when I got out there, it was it was a neat experience and the, the strawberries were so good. And so it, maybe that's, I'm guessing this is probably another thing that's great, uh, a good benefit to get involved with because all of the fruit is probably super fresh, right?
6: Of course. Yeah. You're picking it straight off the plant, so it is the best that it can be yeah
0: i remember fruit chair came to visit cjob once and they came with an apple pie i
6: bet they did yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we the team of us that, that work uh, that do all the work with fruit chair we're definitely pretty avid uh, fruit bakers and cookers
0: okay yeah. Yeah. is is pumpkin a fruit yes can you guys, can you guys come back to visit us in the fall?
6: We would love to with, uh, pumpkin a, pie pumpkin is one of pie? our specialties Yeah
0: <laughs> I am a pumpkin a pumpkin pie is my favorite thing. So you're looking for pickers right now. How many do you need?
6: Oh, anybody who wants to pick there is more than enough fruit for everyone. I'm okay. sure as you drive around Winnipeg at this time of year you can see all the fruit popping out of people's backyards. it's it's everywhere so um, we always we always have enough fruit for everyone.
0: So what kind of fruit are people growing? Like, is, like, is Are these things that people are growing because they've planted it or just because that they, they happen to have a, a crab apple tree that's just yeah, on the property?
6: There's a couple different uh, reasons people come to us. Sometimes folks have uh, intentionally had an apple tree or a big rhubarb patch uh, or raspberry patch in their backyard for years, and they've maybe got to a point or an age where it's too difficult for them to manage and they need help with it. Um, sometimes people have moved into a property where... There just was that fruit on the property, the new house they bought, and they're not that interested, and they want someone to come and just take it. Um, and sometimes it's people who are avid fruit lovers like ourselves, but they have a cottage, like your last guest was talking about, and are away for a couple of weeks and need someone to come in at harvest time when they're not home okay. to do the to do the hard work.
0: So, what is coming into to harvest? Like, what what fruit is needs to be picked right now?
6: Right now, uh, this is the time when the the really good eating crab apples start to happen. So they're usually the dolga crab apple is the best one. Um, Of course, the dolga. Of course it is, right? Yes. Yes, with a name like that. And then there's uh, some of the early apples start. And the the different varieties of apples in Winnipeg will go on until the early fall. Um, But they do start to arrive now. Um, People's grapes will be coming ripe within the next month or so. Um, people's rhubarb patches, if they haven't picked them in the early spring, are still going or can be harvested again for a second time in the fall. Um, And then, of course, strawberry and raspberry patches and things like that. We actually have folks with fruit share listing other things as well, things that don't fall into the fruit category like uh, big chive patch or extra tomatoes where they've just got these huge plants going crazy and they want to share them with some neighbours. So really, we will actually accept anything delicious to share.
0: I thought tomato technically... Is You're a right. Fruit.
6: You've got me on that one. It's true. It is technically a fruit. Okay. No, people don't, we usually think of apples, and of course, that's the biggest harvest in Winnipeg, but we really are happy to list any extra fruit that can be shared with people who will enjoy it.
0: Anybody grow bananas in this city? I like bananas.
6: Oh, man, that would be nice, but we don't have quite the heat. Yeah,
0: I know. We don't have the climate <laughs> yeah. for it. Um, so are there any stories that you can think of where, you know, you've, where maybe you were shocked with the overabundance or something like, does anything stick out for you in your time with fruit share? Oh,
6: well, there's quite a few good stories, but early on we got a call from a woman out in the, the far west end of the city and she needed a few people to come out and help with some rhubarb. And it was early in the season. And so a couple of us from the volunteer team organized and went out to help out and we got there and her entire yard was filled with rhubarb plants. It was amazing. And you went to the backyard and went around the corner and it just kept going and going. And we picked baskets and baskets and baskets of rhubarb and, of course, got to share so much of it. I think we took a delivery to maybe Salomish Mission that time. Wow. Um, and Because they, they have a big kitchen there. They can actually process. If you take them a large amount, they can actually process it for, for their clients that go there. Yeah. Um, but it was just an incredible yard. And she was such a proud fruit owner. It was so great. She just needed help. Yeah. obviously harvesting an entire yard of, of fruit.
0: And what's it cost to, to be a member with Fruit Chair Manitoba?
6: Ten seventy five for the year. And you can list as many fruit pickings as you'd like, and you can also attend pickings uh, for that same membership fee. So if you have an apple tree and it's too much for you, but then you want to go and pick um, vegetables at the end of the year when we we sometimes have some vegetable harvests in the fall you could go and do that and it's all part of the same membership
0: fee so if I want to if I don't have access to fruit in my yard I can I join fruit share to then go pick fruit elsewhere just for myself or like are you picking it for the membership as a whole How's Oh no way?
6: no when you go to the picks so, or yeah so you go out on the pick um, and you usually we ask people to share it equally three ways. So the first, of course, is if the fruit owner wants a portion, usually they have more than they want and they don't want it. But of course, they're they're, they're welcome to it. So the first third would go to the fruit owner. The next third goes to you who's done the picking work. And then ideally, the other third goes to a community organization of your choosing. So it could be a food bank. It could be a local daycare. It could be a senior's home. Anywhere that a community, like sort of someone else who wouldn't have access to that food otherwise, can enjoy it as well.
0: So the website is fruitshare.ca, but you're also, uh, you are also have something called Fruit Connect. That's right. What's that?
6: Yeah, so fruitshare.ca is our original website, and that's where you can get all sorts of information about what we do and check out recipes and our blog. Fruitconnect.fruitshare.ca is our matchmaking service. So that's where... You register your actual fruit and you tell us all about how lovely and delicious it is. And it's also where you sign up as a picker to see those picks listed and pick your, make your choosings about where you want to go and pick. And then just like any good dating service, it's then up to you two to tango. So it's up to the fruit owner to contact the, the pickers and coordinate those details about when and where and careful for the fence and watch out for my dog and all those details about coming to the space. And it's also up to the picker to be a good picker and get in touch and say, "Yeah, sorry I'm running late. I'm going to come tomorrow instead." All those kinds of things. So,
0: Okay. And again, where do I go for that?
6: fruitconnect.fruitshare.ca.
0: All right. Katie Anderson, Fruit Shares Summer Coordinator, Fruit Share Manitoba. Once again, it's only 10.75 for the year membership, and you get access to so much delicious fruit, and it's all fresh. And that now I'm hungry. So, Katie, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. <laughs>